church, uh, like I said, I, I am, this Tuesday night was just a blast, just talking about all that God has done and getting excited about this year and a series that I almost put in 2022, but felt led to hold off and uh, really place it intentionally in our calendar. Because if you don't know the traditional, this season as a church traditionally has been called Lent, which is not just um, for a single denomination. It is literally just the focus and the build up to Easter. So what are we doing to focus in on the message, the story of Jesus, right? His, his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, his, his death on a Roman cross, on what we call Good Friday, and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. What is the build up to it? And this year, I really wanted us to have an intentional focus on prayer. Um, and, and this is a series on prayer. And, and we're going to do a lot to resource you during this. Um, we're even going to begin to produce some guided prayers that can help you follow along. Man, how do I, how do I actually take the, the topic of this Sunday and put it into practice? We're going to help with that. We're actually on Wednesday night. Um, our prayer team meets every Wednesday night. They're doing prayer in the back room um, here during midweek. But during this series, we're going to open up this room, the main auditorium, for an, to make, create an open prayer room where you can come, um, drop your kids off if you have them at midweek or your teenagers off at midweek, and then come on in and pray during that time. Or if you don't have teenagers or kids, just come. And uh, come from about 7 p.m., really even that window, 7 to 8, even 8.30, and just take time in the presence of God, and, and we're going to have stations and things set up for you. So that'll be every Wednesday night during this series right here in this main auditorium. We're excited about that. So we want to resource you, but the, really the, the point of this series is to, one, try to get us to ask a question, and then to help to start to answer that question. And so I've entitled this series, How Do I Pray? And, and it's a personal question. Uh, we could have called it, How Do We Pray?, uh, but there's something about collective, but there's also the individual moments. I wanted intentionally to say, how do I pray? And this is a question that we know was asked by the disciples of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. And for many people, you hear that. Some of you in this room, I know your stories. I know how long you've been serving Jesus. I know many, how many hours you've spent on your knees in prayer. And you're like, Pastor Stan, I know how to pray. I I've got that on lock. But can I tell you? The more I study prayer, the more I dive into um, uh, the scripture and the word and the examples of what prayer looks like, the more I see that there is a mystery to this. There is something so beautiful to this. There are depths to this. And I want to be asking this question consistently and constantly. And I want to continually grow in my prayer life. Even before I went into a series like this, I actually went away for 48 hours of silence and solitude to pray. Because I want to actually, pray. I want to grow in my prayer life. I don't want to grow stagnant. And sometimes we want prayer. We want, honestly, sometimes we want this in every area of faith. We want it to be able to be put in a booklet. I want a report on prayer. Can you just write a report, Pastor Sam, and I'll read it, and I'll just do what it says. Wouldn't that be so much easier? Can't we just make it black and white? How many of you know you're going to get so bored with it, though? You're going to get so bored with it. You're going to get sick of it. And you're going to be like, man, this is so dull. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Why are we so afraid of the mysteries of God when it's the mysteries that keep it exciting? A little mystery in the relationship. Well, come on, it keeps it exciting. It means there's always something new to learn every single day when I get up. There's more depths, more understanding, more growth. And so we have to fight 
the desire to know everything. We have to fight something inside of us that goes, no, I've learned how to pray. I got my prayer life figured out. You see, what's beautiful about children, and I love being a dad. I love being a dad. I love seeing the world through the eyes of children, right? And one of the things that you learn about kids is they have no issues asking questions. Like all of the questions ever, they'll ask all of them over and over again. They have no issue. If they don't know something, they want to know. You could just be going on a family run to Target like we were, the Grosso family the other day, and all of a sudden our oldest child in the middle goes, hey, uh, mommy, so like I just don't get it. You get married and then you just get pregnant? I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and we're like, uh, yeah, and she looks at me and I look back at her and I'm like, that sounds like a great question for another time. Let's talk about this when you're no longer seven anymore. But at any time, pops in their mind, they're just going to ask it. There's no fear of not knowing. They are in a season of learning. So isn't it interesting that Jesus says, hey, would you have faith like a child? Because faith requires a desire to learn. Hey, I, I don't understand. I don't fully grasp. This is beyond my comprehension and beyond my ability, but I'm believing for it anyways. Or I'm asking this question. I'm asking in faith for you to teach me. There's such a humility in childlike faith. There's such a humility in childlike questions. So I very intentionally have titled this series a question mark. How do I pray? I'm asking it. And church, I would. I would ask that you might make that same question to God. How do I pray? What does this really look like? And to be so okay with the mystery. As a pastor, as a preacher, one thing that I push back on every so often on this platform is my, my job is not limited to just giving answers. My role as a preacher is not to be the answer guy. To come up here and every single Sunday tell you exactly what to believe, tell you exactly how to behave, tell you exactly word for word, thing for thing, exactly how you're to live your life. It, it's, it's sometimes we want that because it would feel easier maybe. My goal is to bring truth and, and to bring sort of even like a framework and a healthy theology and a healthy approach so that you can ask God some really hard questions. So you can seek some answers from him. See, sometimes if we go to man for all of our answers, we never ask any real good questions to God. And so then we, know, we don't dive into the mysteries of what he's got for us. We don't dive into the depths of who he is and get past the black and white. And there are things, there are so many things in the Christian faith where my answer would be, oh man, that's actually really black and white. Jesus made this so clear. But then there's other areas and prayer falls in this category where it's like, there's a lot on it, but there's so much mystery and there's so much to press into and to understand. So this series isn't about me giving you every answer you've ever hoped for on prayer, but it hopefully is gonna grow our understanding and our knowledge of the way in which Jesus tells us to pray and the approach and the way to go about it and that it might encourage us to pray a little bit more, to spend more time diving into our prayer closets and spending time with God or that safe space that you go to for prayer. So hopefully we can ask this question. And the disciples asked the question of Jesus. They actually watched him pray, and they must have seen something different. Like, like he was praying in a way, Maybe it was the level of familiarity that he was praying with God. Maybe it was the honesty and the transparency. There was a lot of uh, the religious leaders of the day would do a lot of public praying with pomp and circumstance to try to sound really profound, but it was definitely impersonal. 
right? It's like, it's like how preachers feel like they have to say, go, and like sound really deep and really spiritual. They get that voice on, like people would do that, like sound, like they try to sound spiritual. Like that would make it more anointed or, or more blessed. Or if I pray in this way and articulate. And so I, I, I have this sense as I read, it, I'm going, was, was Jesus's ability just to seek the seek his father's attention and seek connection with the father was that intriguing to the disciples because it was intriguing enough that they actually said hey jesus will you teach us how to pray because your your example looks a little different your approach looks a little different and so in luke chapter 11 verse 2 through 4 jesus said this to them when you pray say our father in heaven hallowed be your name Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm sure every single one of you, whether this is your first time in church, you've been coming for a long time, you've heard this before. You've heard what's been called the Lord's Prayer. That this is, has really become a liturgy of the church, something that we say regularly, something that um, you're encouraged to memorize if you came up in Sunday school. It's, there's knowledge, there's understanding around this prayer. And, and a really low view of this prayer is, oh, this is, this is what my prayer should be limited to. I should just pray this every day and I'm good. If I start my day with this prayer or if I end my day with this prayer, that's prayer. And that's what Jesus was telling us to do. But how many of you know Jesus expounds way beyond this in his own prayer life in what we see in Scripture? What he's giving is really a template. And inside this single prayer, this single liturgy, is really all five of the major types of prayer. And, and there's different levels of lists. Some people break all of prayer down into four categories, some seven. Uh, but there's a lot of consensus around five major types of prayer. And again, lists are not, um, they are not gospel, Right? So if, if, if there's consensus around biblical scholars and they're categorizing things, how many of you know you could take each major type of prayer and then you could break it down into like four smaller parts? And we understand that, but it helps us to understand what we're doing and how we're doing it. And it, and it can be a really good practice. And so I'm going to show throughout this series that in this one prayer are all five major types of prayer that then we can expound on, that we can grow off of, and that Jesus gives us an example of time and time again. And so the first one I want to start with today is going to be a prayer of what's known the most in Scripture as supplication. Supplication. You can write this down. You're going to want to remember all five major types of prayer as we go through them. And uh, it's from the Latin translation of supplicare, which means to plead humbly. Supplication, it means to plead humbly. It means to make your requests known to God, as the scripture puts it. By, by, by prayers of supplication, I'm going, with, from a humble place, I'm making requests. And really, most of the places you find supplication, it's very personal. So we're going to get to when you make requests for other people. But today, we're going to focus in on when I make requests for myself. The, the things that I'm praying for or things that I'm trying to carry, things I'm trying to move forward is going to be a little more of our focus today. Part of the reason we start there is because for many of us, this is the most common type of prayer. We have a need. We want something. We see something. Like, there's a challenge. There's something we're faced. And so we pray a prayer of supplication. It, it's, it's extremely common. And that's a great response. That every time you have a need, if you go to prayer, that's amazing. 
but it becomes a very common part. But before we dive into, I want to help really break this down. I want to lay some ground rules about prayers of supplication. Uh, To start, can I remind us, and we need to get better at accepting this fact, prayers of supplication can go unanswered. They can go unanswered. And I'm going to give even more scriptural backing for this, but let me start by helping us understand this. A prayer of supplication, according to scripture, is a request, not a demand. And, And if we could make demands of God and get whatever we want, how many of you know you would get spoiled. <laughs> you would get crazy spoiled. If you could just go to God and be like, I remember the first time I learned about prayer and I sat in my living room and I wanted a new bike and I squeezed my little hands together and I closed my eyes really tight and you kind of like, you're, you're almost like flexing, like you look like you're on the toilet, right? You're just like, and you're just, you're there and I'm just like willing, like I want a new bike, put it in the corner, right? Like you can ask God for anything, I want a bike. And you look and the bike's not there and you try again, right? And And we can get this really limited, how many of you know that's really more of a Disney view of God? That's magic. That's like, I'm just believing that if I, God's a magician and I'm hoping that he could just deliver me a new bike. That has nothing to do with what scripture has to say about prayer. That would be a demand, not a request. And, And a loving father doesn't give their kid everything they ask for. And that kid almost never knows why. (laughs) Right? So remind yourself that you're a kid when you're approaching a father and you're making requests. Did you know that Jesus had unanswered prayers, church? There's actually four instances I could find in Scripture. There might be more. But we know that with the blind man, there was a blind man that he prayed for, and he prayed for healing. And the blind man could only partially see that everybody just looks like trees walking around. So Jesus actually had to go back and pray a second time over this man. It's interesting. Well, but he still got his, he got his healing in the end, Pastor Sam, so God did hear it. Okay, well, what about the moment, which we're going to get to even later, where Jesus was in the garden, he said, God, would you take this cup from me? He was in agony over what he was faced, but yet did God remove that cup of suffering, or did he put, allow him to end up on a cross and then have him drink that full cup of suffering? Isn't it interesting? But, and here's a, another unique perspective on this. If, if Jesus, you might ask, well, do my prayers really influence God, though? Like, do they really have any influence at all? Would Jesus have prayed these prayers if he didn't think it had influence? Jesus clearly, the way that you watch Jesus pray, read the prayers of Jesus. This was a man who really believed that his prayers had influence. And so here he is. He's going, hey, take this cup from me. He's hoping it's got enough influence so that he doesn't have to walk this out. But God's like, it's the only way, son. I wish there was another way. I wish there was something else you could do, but you have to go this way. Even on the cross, when when God turned from him, as Jesus took on our sin, he experienced separation from God um, that he had never had before. He actually cried out, why have you forsaken me? That's actually a prayer that went unanswered. God didn't respond. He's just alone. God was quiet on that one. No answer. No answer. There was a time, actually, where Jesus publicly, he prayed for the unity of the church to come together. He was so distraught over the division. How many of you know the church is still divided today? There's a prayer of Jesus that we're still believing for, that the unity of the church would happen. So there's prayers that can go unanswered at times. But how many of you know, too, though, more of Jesus' prayers were answered than they weren't? So there is the effectiveness that can be answered. But another truth about this type of prayer as well is that it most often requires persistence. 
So it may go unanswered. You may get a no, or you might not get any answer at all. Or there's times where the persistence is required. You see, Jesus, even after he taught them how to pray, he actually told a story of a persistent man demanding food from a neighbor in the middle of the night. He also told a story of a persistent woman who is demanding that a judge see her. He talks about prayers of persistence, that you make your petition over and over. You keep going after it. Requires persistence. Well, he didn't answer me the first time, so I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to give up on that. It requires persistence. So for, but for me... For me, the question I want to ask, though, is if I'm not getting an answer or it requires persistence or I'm in this middle, one of the things I'm trying to understand as I pursue prayers of supplication is, uh, is it an effective prayer I'm praying? Is this even a good prayer? Is this even the right prayer? Do I even have the right perspective on this prayer? Because if we need to be persistent, awesome. But I just, I, I'm just going to be honest, church. I don't want to be persistent on the wrong prayer. Do you agree with me? Like, do you not want to waste time on prayer? I don't want to waste time in prayer. So there's got to be some help to understand, maybe, maybe a filter we could run that prayer through to even see if it's worth being persistent on. Is it even good? Is it even right? Is it even um, what we should be praying? And so today I want to isolate a portion of the Lord's Prayer, the part where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a great pastor who teaches on prayer often, Pete Gregg, and he, he puts uh, prayer of supplication into three categories, and I actually realize they're found in these three, state, or these three statements that Jesus makes. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and then on earth as it is in heaven. And the first one we see here, your kingdom come. I want you to write down this. I want you to take notes. This is a notes kind of series, you guys, just so you know. There's going to be some teaching in this. We're going to have to understand some stuff. You're going to have to stick with me. So that first one, right, your kingdom come, that is an example of understanding God's war, W-A-R, God's war. Your will be done, God's will. On earth as it is in heaven, God's world, W-O-R-L-D. God's war, your kingdom come. God's will, your will be done. God's world on earth as it is in heaven. And these are major concepts that we need to understand that are actually going to create a filter for us around prayers of supplication. The first one, God's war, his kingdom come. How many of you know he is bringing his kingdom to earth through others? There is a spiritual battle that is raging around, and it's for the souls of people. The only real commodity that has any value in eternity is human souls, like our lives. Like they are fighting over that reality. And God is trying to restore as much uh, as uh, reconcile as many men and women to him as possible, right? We talked about we all carry the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we are fighting a battle. It's why the illustration of put it on the full armor of God, right? The, before we get to the full armor of God, is it a beautiful, um, out of the letter to the, uh, the church in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the apostle Paul wrote, for our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And then he goes on to say, therefore, take out the full armor of God. And, and, and so that you understand the battle you're fighting. So you understand the war that's taking part. Church, can, can I paint an illustration for us? If you were a government official, a government leader, let's just say, hypothetically, let's, let's use the American structure, you are, you are the governor of a state. 
and, and, and you're wanting financing for certain projects within your state, and maybe it's infrastructure, maybe it's, it's advancement, it's growth. How many of you know if you have these needs within your state, but all of a sudden the nation goes to war, you're going to put infrastructure on hold and you're going to say, how do we help with the war effort? Your requests to your leader are going to change. You're not going to ask a president um, for, for, for infrastructure during wartime. Maybe during peacetime, but not during wartime. And, and church, can I remind us that, that it is not peacetime. There is a war waging for the souls of your sons, your daughters, the, the mothers, the fathers, grandma, grandpa, everyone in your life, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy them. There is an actual battle. So our, do, do we pray in light of that battle? As you're making requests of your heavenly father, are you assessing the reality that you're asking a leader who understands it's wartime? It's wartime. And there's things that we need to do. There's places we need to go. And, and, and for us, we, we know this according to scripture. The only thing that's going to go into eternity with us is the impact we have on others. Everything else is going to burn up. And so the focus needs to be on the reality of there is a battle. Church, can I, can I just be really honest? I see denial of spiritual warfare as in, in part as a denial of Jesus Christ. Because you're serving a Savior who fought it to the fullest extent. Who, who didn't shy away from it. We read a Bible that talks so much about demonic activity. We read a Bible that talks so much about temptation from the devil. We read a Bible that literally explicitly shares and showcases this war that's going on. And yet sometimes Christians want to back down because it's like, well, I just don't want to be seen as weird. I don't want to be seen as odd. But can I tell you the mistake the devil's making in America is he's showing his hand. See, what happened in America is we grew numb to what was going on spiritually. We stopped talking about it. But watch the world. They're obsessed with the demonic. They're obsessed with the devil. There's portrayals on, on national television of, of the devil and dancers all over. I mean, there's, there's horrific examples being shown. All of They have no qualms talking about spiritual warfare. They understand it. So when the church almost acts like that's weird or we're not going to talk about that or we're going to make everything just practical and never spiritual, that's odd to people looking in. Like, really? Like, you're less involved in the spiritual than we are? Like, I don't even, that's strange. This, this can't become some taboo conversation. You should be able to, to text a friend and say, hey, I'm under attack right now. My family, I can tell the devil is coming for us. There, there are actual, uh, uh, there, there, there's a presence that's attacking my kids and, 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 there's, and there's depression, there's anxiety, there's things that are flowing out of that attack. But I want to I wanna realize that, hey, there's actual spiritual battles. So I want my prayers of supplication, my request to God to understand that fact. And I may not understand every nuance. See, this is why we're a little bit iffy about spiritual warfare is we can't control it. We like to pray around things we can control. That's easy. It's easy to pray about something you're going to fix anyways. Right? I, I just, I plan to handle that problem. Like I'm lifting up to God, so he'll give me like a little bit of insight, but really I know at the end of the day I'm going to fix it because I'm a fixer. It's a lot harder to go, man, I don't know what's happening, 
but there is just some darkness on our home right now, and, and there's an attack, and there's something going on that's beyond just the tangible physical, and I need some prayer warriors to get around my house and to lift this. I wanna pray into that. I'm gonna say, darkness, you've got to go by the name of Jesus. I have the power over death, hell, and the grave. You have no power here, and by the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would send guardian angels to protect our house, to guard our family. Come on, that's the kind of prayers of supplication that get a response, because you're praying into the war that's taking place. You don't need to understand every new wants to pray effective prayers because you're going to say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want the peace of heaven to meet me in the stress of today. I want it to come down and meet me right here and I'm going to pray effective prayers because I'm covered by the blood of the lamb and darkness you got to pass by. You got to pass by. My house is covered. My kids are covered. My family's covered and you've got to pass by. Faith prayers that understand that God, God fully grasps that there is a war going on. And then we have to have an understanding of God's will. You want an effective prayer of supplication. Jesus makes this so clear. You've got to grasp his will. What an amazing, right? Again, that garden prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I felt as I was prepping for this, I talked, I told you, I'm like, I'm growing in this again. I go, God, I should tag that onto every prayer I have. God, here's where I'm at. Here's what my finite view is, my finite perspective on this, but I need your infinite perspective. Because I'm just gonna be honest with you, church, I trust his design and his plans way more than mine at this point. My plans have hurt me so much. They've wreaked havoc on my life. But God's plans have just led to so much goodness. And so I I just, God, your will, not mine, though. I'm going to be so vulnerable. I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I'm going to let you know where I'm at. That's what Jesus is doing here. Take it from me. I'm weak. He's fully admitting his flaws, but he's putting faith not in his strength, but in God's strength. Because at the end of the day, it's your will, though, because right now in my struggle, I can't see the bigger picture. Have you ever been blinded by pain? Like, literally, have you, like, like, have you ever injured yourself in such a way where it's, like, blinded? Like, you can't even see, and the pain is so excruciating and all-encompassing. You're like, all I can do is think about this pain. And when we go through suffering, you should never trust your will in suffering. Ever. Because human nature goes, I'll do anything to end the pain. And I will compromise whatever I need. So I, I, especially in a season of suffering, I do not trust my will. It's God, as I make my prayer of supplication, I'm letting you know my grief. I'm letting you know my pain. I'm fully telling you all of it. But I'm trusting your will over mine. I'm trusting your design over mine. Because I may feel confused about his will in a crippling illness, but I know I can find him in the midst of the symptoms. Remember, I I taught on this a few weeks ago. In the waiting, we must go from the question of why God to the question of where are you, God? So even if I don't understand his will, I can find him in the midst of it. Maybe I don't know why it's happening, but again, even say you're in suffering, we go back to God's war, and maybe I just need to see that suffering less as a punishment from God and more as an attack from the enemy. 
and put it in its right place. But I, I may not fully understand every aspect of why am I going through this? Why is this happening? This is confusing to me. But I, what I want to do is I want to say, hey, I may be confused, but I know I can find you, God. And, and, and say, not say, why did you do this, God? Which I think is the wrong prayer, but what are you going to do with this, God? Which is the right prayer. Let me say it again. A shift in your prayer of supplication, when you understand God's will, you don't ask, why did you do this, God? You ask, what are you going to do with this, God? Where are you taking this? I'm on the journey. I'm with you, and I trust your design. And I fully understand you have the power to lift it. I've seen it time and time again. But, but where are you going with this, God? What are you going to do with this? Where are you in the midst of this? And the challenge, and one of the things that's hard to watch as a pastor, and I've seen it many times, is that in the midst of a challenging season, a suffering season, a painful season, it's usually when people tend to doubt and retreat from God. And the, the, the hardship that that brings is you are removing the only opportunity you have to create any purpose from that pain. Without God, it's just pain. Without God, it's just suffering. Without God, it's absolutely miserable. Without God, you should be a total victim. Without God, you should give up on life. So why would we distance ourselves from the only, the only presence that can bring purpose to that pain? I want to draw near to that in the midst of it. And I want my prayers to be inviting him in. Inviting him in. Proximity to him. I saw a clip. Uh, John Bevere is releasing a new book and talking about the awe of God. But he said this. I thought it was so perfectly articulated. He said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but the point will be the same. He said, the fear of the Lord is saying, I'm afraid to be apart from the Lord. So essentially, fear of the Lord is fear of separation from him. When you study those who had a heart after him, they want, it's just, oh God, just don't, don't, don't ever forsake me. Don't ever leave me. I just want to be close to you, right? It's King David saying, God, I being offered a choice of which punishment for his census that he took and him going, don't give me over to my enemies. I'll take a punishment from you because you are good and merciful. And I want, don't cut me off. Just whatever, I'll take whatever you've got for me. Just do not cut me off from your presence. Let's fear the Lord. I want to be close to him and I want his will. And the final thing is the keys come on up is God's world. God's world. And, and, in this, we were placed here. We were placed in the earth, and it's broken. Because of the war, the world is broke. And so we have to understand that there's so much brokenness, there's so much hurt that's happening in the earth today, but we're placed in it. And I think a healthy understanding of the world that we were placed in can actually affect our prayers of supplication. Because sometimes, again, if we want magic to happen, almost you, you wish your prayers could cause gravity to no longer exist and you could fly around like Peter Pan, right? You're like, that'd be awesome. It'd be so cool. I want, I want to pray against the confines and the structures of this earth. But can I tell you, if you watch Jesus, if you read the Gospels, what Jesus does is he goes in to where part of God's creation has been perverted, where there has been uh, where there should have been healing, there was brokenness, and he, re, he, all he does is he actually brings realignment to God's proper order. So the healings, the miracles that take place, he didn't really create anything. He brought healing to God's creation. 
raised somebody, raises Lazarus from the dead, he's bringing healing to a creation that God already made. He's praying in alignment with God's world. So he's, he's praying that in. So when you watch and you study, he would consistently pray according to even the world because he was fully man and fully God put on earth and he prayed according to the world that God put him in. And C.S. Lewis has an amazing quote on this. He said, nothing can seem extraordinary until you have discovered, church, what is ordinary. That's a whole sermon right there. Nothing can seem extraordinary until you have discovered what is ordinary. You can all of a sudden feel just this sense of an extraordinary move of God in just an ordinary moment. You ever had that? Maybe somebody else wouldn't notice it because it's not somebody flying around with pixie dust. But you see God's hand in a small moment, small encounter. Little things. God lining it up. You go, oh, he's here. He's do- Look at him work. Look at him line this up. This is amazing. He goes on to say, belief in miracles far from depending on an ignorance of the laws of nature. So essentially, how, how, what, what a low-level view of, of miracles is to depend on ignorance. We don't want to depend on ignorance for our miracles. No, 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 no. Aside from that, is only possible insofar as those laws are known. C.S. Lewis would say, hey, actually, your, your understanding of the earth you in is only going to add power to your prayers, add power to the miracles that you seek. He goes on to say, miracles do not, in fact, break the laws of nature. It's realigning God's nature. It's restoring the order of his proper and good creation. It's his kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. It's heaven meeting earth. It's appropriating healing from heaven to earth. It's a realignment. So is your prayer of supplication in alignment with God's creation and his nature? He placed you in this world with its limits that he made. There are limitations to the world that you live in. And we pray according to those. And then James chapter four is a great ending scripture for what we've been talking about. Verse two through three. It starts before this and talks about all the different things that we could pursue in life. Things we might desire from the flesh that the, that the world outside of Jesus offers you. But James goes on to say, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Whoa, is that clear or what? <laughs> See, a lot of mystery to prayer. This part's black and white. I love this. <laughs> so what, what should I be asking? Was it, was it, oh, leave that up there. Uh, what, what, what should I be asking then? Oh, I didn't have enough faith. Oh man, if only I was a person of faith, then it would have happened. No, no, I want to look at, what, was there something off in my motives? What was I really praying for? What did I really want in that? A motive check. And the filter we're trying to give today is a motive check. Your motives are all wrong. You only want that which will give you pleasure. And this one's hard, isn't it? Like, let's just be honest. I like pleasure. I like things to feel good. I want things to feel good. I don't want to feel pain. I want this. But what's our motives? God, and here's, here's the beautiful thing. I've watched this time and time again. When our motives are pure, God loves to give us pleasure. He's a God that created pleasure. He created enjoyment. Come on, he created good food. 
It created intimacy with your spouse. He designed it. He's got pleasure for you. But the problem is your motives. Because you're not taking into account the bigger picture. God, there's a war going on. God, you've got a will and you've placed me in this world. And when I pray according to those filters, I can start to have effective, powerful prayers that really move things, that really make a difference. So three questions. I want you to write this down to end, to close. When praying a prayer of supplication, making your request known to God, the first one, is this prayer in alignment with the battle? There's a war going on. There's a battle being fought over my soul. There's a battle being fought over the souls of the people that you love, that you care about. Man, I just, I even feel something on this point in particular. Parents, you gotta start praying like this. You have to. Grandparents, please. We cannot pray petty prayers over our kids. We, 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 it cannot happen. And if you don't think that the devil's coming for the next generation, please open your eyes. But God is too. That's why he's using college students to usher in a revival in Kentucky. That's why he's using young people, because God's going after them too. But who's praying? Who's praying? When I see something like an outpouring, I'm going, who was praying before they all started praying? It's the only people who get any credit for that. The only humans on this planet who should get any sort of applause are the people that were praying for those college kids, praying for that campus, praying for those that are far from it. We need to start praying prayers that are in alignment, in alignment with God's battle plan for the souls of your children. I thank God that I know who's been praying for me my whole life. I know. My mom's joked my whole life. She says, I, when I get to heaven, I know the first person I'm looking for, it's going to be your guardian angel. It'll be real easy to find them because they're just going to be so beat up and tired. And I'm just going to give them a hug and encourage them and thank them. Right, we got to be praying. Well, that's a joke. Isn't that so true, though? Like, are we praying for our kids? Are we praying for our families? Are we praying? Are we waging the war? Are we fighting the battle? It's not against flesh and blood. Our prayers of supplication need to understand that there's a war going on and that that is priority number one. And then as you move through the other priorities in your life, ask the question, God, and is this in your will? Jesus says after the Lord's Prayer, that's when he talks about seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. One of the prayers I love to add, for me, this has been really effective, is I'm like, God, only open the doors that you want me to walk through. And if there's any that I've opened, will you close them? Please shut up, slam them in my face. You can make it hurt a little bit too because I'll listen better. Like, please, anything that I'm making happen, shut down. I, I just do not trust my flesh anymore. I don't trust my will. I only trust yours. And I believe in your plan. I believe you got a plan for me. I believe you, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable that are on my life. And I want to live according to that purpose, not the one that I want. Not the one that I desire. So I'm going to ask before I, I say a prayer of supplication. God, if it is your will, do this. If not, please shut it. And I'm completely okay with that. And then finally, is this, 
It's God's earth. Are we praying according to his view of the planet, his view of the earth, his view of creation, his view of the world? Or are we praying according to what the world is delivering to us? Whose perspective do we have? Is it on earth as it is in heaven? Or is it just on earth? I pray according to what I see. I pray according to what's happening around me. Are we getting his view on the situation? Are we praying in alignment with his creation? Prayers of supplication do not have to be selfish. God wants to know your heart. They can be this beautiful request that you know to God, but when we filter them first, you're gonna get rid of a lot of junk prayers. I'm like, I just, I don't know, this sounds cheesy, but I'm like, God, I don't wanna spam you. I don't want all my prayers to be like spam, just coming in, just, you know, you go through all the garbage emails before you get to one that's actually important. I'm like, I just, I don't want that strategy. Like, I want to I filter out the spam, and I want to get to the prayers that I should really be focusing on. What's the really important things? I want to press in, and I want to be persistent, and I want to stay the course, and I want to pray powerful prayers that impact people. So all of you can stand to your feet. Prayer teams, come forward. And uh, all series long, again, we want to resource you in this, and what a practical message to take this week. And maybe you would. Maybe you'd consider coming Wednesday night, spending extended time in God's presence, and start to look at the requests you've been making. Look at the thing and start filtering it. Am I, am I in alignment with these? Hopefully, again, you took notes. You wrote it down. Otherwise, the message will be up on YouTube. We, we release it every single Sunday at 5 p.m. to the public to see. But filter this through. Make some adjustments on the, the requests you've been making to God. Ask that prayer of search me and know me, God. See if anything's out of alignment. But I want to pray for you. And if you need further prayer for anything, these prayer teams are here for you. Phenomenal people that would love to pray for anything going on with you. To lift up and agree with that prayer of supplication with you. So God, we come to you right now, Father, and we thank you for a great day in your house. The opportunity to come to worship you, to praise you to be in community together, and to learn from your word. God, I just thank you that we don't have to figure out prayer on our own. You've given us so much truth in your word that we can begin to understand it. And Lord, we just, we, we lay down any sort of presuppositions that we have about prayer. We just lay it down. And instead, God, we just want to come empty-handed, open-handed, and approach it in a fresh new way. Would we not grow weary in this? But would we realize that there is a harvest to be reaped on the other side of consistent, faithful praying? God, we thank you that in this room, we just even right now, we do. I take a moment, and God, we identify that there's a war for the souls of every single person in this room. And Lord Jesus, I just come, and I pray that you would, that you would send protection, that any darkness that's trying to attack them this week, it's got to go, it's got to flee. And Lord Jesus, we pray light into the situation. God, we ask that you right now would just begin to expose your will on a greater level for both the collective of our church as we pray for the needs of our church, but also for us as individuals, God. Your will, not ours, be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus. And God, we do, we pray according to your creation, according to the, the nature. Would we see your world the way you see it? Give us your lens, give us your filter, give us your eyes to see your world the way you see it. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says.